Trail and Ultra Runners. What is going on? What's happening? Welcome to another episode of the Coopcast. As always, I'm your host, Coach Jason Coop. And on this episode of the podcast, I have the editor of Ultra Running Magazine, Amy Clark. I wanted to bring Amy on the podcast today to discuss the state of ultra running as we know it right here, right now, as well as do a little bit of prognostication on what the future might hold in 2021 and beyond. I don't need to tell you listeners that this year has been a weird one. We're trying to navigate a completely bizarre racing, the likes of which none of us have ever seen. There are a lot of FKTs going along, and some of these things have been really good and really inspiring for the community, and some of them are merely stopgaps. We talk about all of this and more throughout the course of this conversation, and I've always been very appreciative of Amy and and the Ultra Running Magazine staff and their way to curate content that is relevant to the entire scope of ultra runners, both beginners and the most experienced of veterans alike. They all admire and appreciate the work that Ultra Running Magazine does. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts in advance of this podcast, Amy. Let's get right into it. Let's not wait another second. Here's my conversation with the editor of Ultra Running Magazine, Amy Clark. I keep getting the sense that, at least in the running community, trail running community, which you and I are kind of an intimate part of, that we're that we're kind of shortchanging exactly how long all of these things that we're having to put up with are going to last. And you know, I keep I keep seeing these I keep seeing these like things on Twitter and Instagram. It's like, oh, well, if 2020 would just end, I'm like, you guys, 2020 is going to end. And this is, we're still going to have to live in some version of our current reality past 2021. Totally. Totally. I know. I think we all kind of started this whole thing, not knowing nobody knew how long it was going to last. And we all kept, okay, you know, this month is, you know, we're, we're past this month. And then, and then all of a sudden the big races started getting canceled, you know, like Western States and hard rock and, um, and before that, you know, Lake Sonoma, I mean, all the big races. And then, and then it was starting to feel like this, okay, reality was kind of setting in at that point. Um, and us as a magazine, you know, we kind of were like, well, what are we going to do for, <laughs> for race reports? Because there's <laughs> nothing coming in. And so we kind of buckled down and, um, and then sure enough, I think in June, um, we got a few race reports in, um, and that's, they've just been kind of trickling ever since. So I, I get the, I, I get the sense that like magazines, like, like you, and then I run far who they, they kind of operate like a digital magazine. You've been kind of like rolling your content or your content strategy, I guess is a better way to put it in like eight week increments, like for the next eight weeks, this is what it's going to look like. And then you get to some other further point in time, eight weeks after that, this is what it's going to look like. And normally, I mean, you know how to plan out an editorial calendar, like you're looking 12 months, sometimes even longer in advance of what to actually do. Is it, am I interpreting that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, um, for production on our end, let's see, we've got, I'm trying to think here, we've got a deadline for columnists on the 10th of each month. And we send out that issue with all those all those columns to print um roughly uh 
a month later ish. So we're about a month behind. So maybe, you know, five or six weeks. Um, for now, you know, I feel really lucky because when we were in that kind of phase of no race reports, we had people popping up and saying, Hey, I'll write, you know, a call or I'll write something for you. Let me know. People were wanting to contribute and, um, kind of antsy to do something and talk about, you know, the sport. And I think that our content slowly going back to normal, but yet we, I mean, you know, talking about racing is still that elusive kind of (laughs) going to happen. So we can talk about racing, but, um, you know, it's, it's, and it's happening as we speak, but it's, um, it's not normal yet. So so. normally what a magazine is doing is they're taking a, a huge volume of content, race reports, race results, feedback from the listeners, articles that are written by contributors and things like that. And they're trying, and they're passing it through a filter, so to speak. I mean, in any month you have hundreds of races to report on, mm-hmm. but you're only providing, I say only like it's bad, but you only can mm-hmm. provide race reports or detailed race reports or stories, articles, and things like that on a very few of those. Has that kind of like turned the table a little bit where you're like searching for the far corners of the U S <laughs> and the world to find, to find interesting content? Well, yeah, you know, for us, we're, again, we're a really small team and as an editor, um, I'm kind of the one that's going out and looking for all the, you know, somebody send us a race report on this race. And, and while, you know, I feel like a lot of race reports come from the corners and, you know, of the country, um, it's, it's still, it's almost, it almost hasn't changed because, you know, um, we're, we're often sourcing race reports. Sometimes, sometimes they come directly to us. It's just a matter of, of, uh, I guess, timing, um, depending on the month. And so right now, like for instance, I've gotten a few race reports from people from some, you know, really small little races across the, across the country. And, you know, I'm still trying to determine whether or not, um, we're going to need race reports from, you know, bigger races like I am tough. Right. It just happened. I wouldn't say that's even a bigger race, but, um, just it's, it's a monthly struggle for me because it's, it's, um, it's never consistent. I'll just say that. Well, I, I feel your pain because (laughs) I, I, I obviously produce a a monthly column for ultra running magazine, but I also produce a weekly column for CTS and also content through this, through this podcast. And I will fully admit that I have been on the content struggle bus for like the last six months. It has not been easy because the things that you can, the things that you can communicate, whether you're writing about them or delivering in whatever other format are just becoming fewer and fewer and fewer to try to choose from because the sphere of what's going on is becoming less and less and less. But yet, I mean, I've looked at like your last few, um, uh, your last few magazines and kind of preparation, uh, for this podcast, you still put out stuff that's relevant and that's not easy. Right. Yeah. No, I've been really lucky. Um, I've had some really amazing writers, uh, you know, just pop on and say, Hey, let me do a story about, you know, Courtney 
or let me do a story about, you know, what's happening right now. And I'm like, go for it. Like, you know, what? Just take, it, take it and run with it because yeah, we need the content. And that's what I want right now is, is what's going on in the sport. So, um, I've been super lucky. I have great, great writers. Normally how tight of a filter would that be? Cause I'm imagining that you get solicited for people that want to write for you mm-hmm. all like all the time. Like how does that process internally work for ultra running magazine? Um, we're a real tight crew. So as you know, being a columnist, we have our kind of our, our group of columnists, but then I have like a small group of writers that I typically go to when I need a story. Um, and then I'll get, um, you know, random submissions and some are great and some just don't, you know, make the cut. So it's, um, it's just an ongoing process. And when I have a great group of writers to go to, um, I fall back to them for these, you know, big features. So when when you get those random submissions, I assume it's a, like a fully baked article, you know, kind of like already written or at least, <laughs> or, or at least, a, or at least a semi baked proposal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. I've, I've done, I've done both of those. So that's why I can laugh at it. <laughs> um, how, how does it, this is just more me being curious in the content space than anything else. Sure. How, how does it pass through Amy's filter? Like, how do you look at it and go, yeah, this is something that's like, I want to put in the magazine versus, and eh, we're going to, we're going to take a pass at this. Um, uh, that's a good question. I'm trying to give you less work, by the way. So people who are listening (laughs) that are thinking about this will at least have some direction to go off of. Oh, it's so hard. It's, it's a complete, uh, we have only, we only have 72 pages to work with. So that's the length of our magazine. And that includes advertising. And depending on the number of ads we have per issue, and that fluctuates greatly um we only have so much room and so um i will you know kind of take my columns and then decide whether or not we need a you know feature and then see what i have coming up or you know uh some you know some writers like i want to write about this and it's somebody that i know can do a good job i'll say go for it um, so it just month to month, it's, it's always just kind of a little shuffling game. I, I have a filter, but it's, it's, I can't explain it. It's just an instinct. So. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Let's, let's pivot away from content. That's more satiating my own intellectual curiosity on it. Cause I like to know how the, how the sausage gets made, so to speak. Sure. And, and, but what I really want to talk about with you is kind of the state of the sport, because there are, I would say there are a few people in trail and ultra running that really have their finger on the pulse of what's going on. That's a hard thing to do because it's a very frac it's a very fractured community. There's a lot of small pockets here and there and it's hard to have a scope of what's going on in the central part of the US, what's going on, on the east coast, what's going on, on the west coast, what's going on with elites, what's going on with everyday runners and things like that. That's not an easy thing to to like alchemize for for even me. I try to keep track of this stuff. And, and you're one of those uh, people and ultra running magazine as, as a whole, your whole team there, I think does a really good job of curating what's going on in the community and then presenting it in a magazine format. So if you were to try to summarize like where, like where we are right here, right now in kind of the middle of this pandemic, we're maybe slowly transitioning out of it or maybe getting worse who knows (laughs) like what like what do you have any like opening thoughts on like what like what the state of the community is right now sure 
Um, yeah. So what, from what I've seen and what I continue to see evolve when it comes to, um, what people are doing right now, given that it's the beginning of fall and there are no, I mean, there, there have been some races. Um, I, I'm going to start from the summer because what I saw this summer was incredible. Um, I saw people going after these huge, you know, FKTs or just adventure runs that were um, basically in lieu of, in, in place of uh, big races. And um, a lot of people were doing it. It was just, it was just, you know, if I can't race, I'm going to go do this. Um, and I think that that is still continuing. However, uh, I do feel like I've been seeing a lot more races pop up. And when I say races, I mean small, you know, races with all the restrictions as far as safety goes, um, because they're happening. And, you know, I, I, it's cool to see because it's like people getting that sense of, you know, granted there, there, I was just thinking about this this morning, but there are the travel restrictions. And so you're seeing these pockets of, um, like you said, little, little races where people can't really travel to the far off, you know, races across the country, but they can still write race in their own backyard and seeing the people um, return from those races and be, just being happy that they're able to get out there with other people. Do you think that some of that, I mean, what you're describing is kind of like a deviation from our standard, um, our standard view of an event or a goal to work towards. People are going to these virtual race formats. People are gravitating towards FKTs or just doing routes that they know and trying to set a, like a best time on it. And there's a lot of different flavors and iterations of that that are outside the traditional, everybody's gonna show up at the exact same time and start and run the exact same course and have the exact same aid stations and finish at the exact same point in time. We're all gonna rack and stack our times across that, which is a race, right? That's what we would call that. People are deviating away from that format out of necessity right now, right? They want an outlet. Do you, do you view that? How do you view that in terms of like, what does the future of it look like? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it going to, going to kind of continue to stick around three years from now? Do you have a sense of it? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Honest answer. I, what, what's cool. So What's cool to me is that I'm seeing people going after these FKTs, but it's like back to back to back on the same FKT. So it's almost like a race. Right. But it's like, it's like, you know, the Wonderland Trail. You, right. you had right. Dylan Bowman and then you had Tyler Green, um, Caitlin Gerben. Like you had all the, all the, all these big names just within a week of each other. I mean, it was just, it was incredible to watch the, the time just drop on that trail. And um, so there's that example, but then, and I think that'll continue. I don't think that that's gonna, um, I think that'll people just go for it. People are, you know, it's been, it's been so, um, what I think buzz, I just emailed buzz, uh, Burrell. And I think he told me there's a, five times the amount of FKTs this year that there, ha, you know, has been in the past. And so, um, or five times the attempts, I guess. Um, and, so I think we're going to continue to see that. I don't think that's going anywhere. I think it's just going to keep rolling. Um, as far as racing goes and the, the, the typical 
race format. Um, I think it's going to, at least for the bigger races, more competitive races, um, it looks to me like most race directors are, are leaning towards the wave format. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see, uh, I think Javelina just announced they're going to do waves for um, like over three days. Right. They're going to, you know, release people from the start line. So it's, it's going to be interesting to say the least, because I don't think people are going to be able to put enough people on a start line to uh, race directors aren't going to be able to put enough people on a start line to qualify as kind of a typical start yeah. for a, a long time. Well, everybody's in the race, in the proper race uh, organizations, everybody's just trying to figure it out, right? They're, yeah. all, they're all just trying to contrive. And I, and I use that in an affectionate way. I use that word contrive in an affectionate way because they're trying to pull it off. But they're trying to contrive the situation so that they can meet certain restrictions and the athletes can still have a good experience and be safe and, you know, all of these other things. But what's kind of been fascinating to me, which you touched on on the on the first part of that dialogue, was this explosion of FKTs and like self-made adventures. And like you, I don't know what's going to happen with that three or five years from now, but I think it's cool. I think it's a neat thing that has at least started to take root, like I said, out of necessity. And, you know, I, it could be a good thing going forward. It could not, it could last, it could not, who knows? Like that's the prediction business, but it, it because of the novelty of it, like you said, this FKT kept going down and down and down. You wouldn't see that on a race. You'd have to wait a whole year for a course record to get broken. And normally those don't happen, but once every five years. So here you have something similar that can literally happen in Dylan and Dylan and Tyler's case. And I was, you know, working with Dylan at the time. So I've got a front row view to this. Um, you can literally have it, have it happen within days or maybe even hours, hours in a certain, yeah. in a certain situation. Incredible. I know it's absolutely incredible. And I think that the novelty of it, as well as the athletic accomplishments is inspiring to people. And if you can get, we need all the hype we can get right now because there's no <laughs> hype coming from the races. If that right. can help supplement or complement it, I think it's a good thing, at least in real time. But I don't know what to think about it for the future. I know. I agree. And it's funny because I sit behind my phone and look at Strava. And this summer, I was just I was just blown away by all these adventure runs. And then, you know, you're seeing the FKT on this and the FKT on that. And um, and it, it's, it's inspiring. And I, I don't think that that's going to stop. I think that people see how exciting it is to watch just from, you know, your phone and look at um, these accomplishments. And I, I, I really do. I think it's just going to continue. So um, whether or not, you know, it's a mix of these plus races when they get back to normal, um, we'll see. But yeah, I think it's, it's a trend that's, that's starting to <laughs> take hold for sure in the sport. It's okay. So, so much so, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot a little bit because I didn't ask <laughs> you to prepare anything related to no. this topic. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Ultra Running Magazine, within their Ultra Run of the Year and their Performance of the Year rankings, you guys have intentionally left out fastest known time attempts. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you if you're going to incorporate those later, but before that, I think to set the context for it, what, like, why, why have you taken that or why has ultra running magazine kind of taken that stance to leave that out of the voting process or the evaluation process? So we don't do the voting, but buzz does buzz Burrell does the, he does the FKT of the year. And so we've been 
letting him do that. And that's because that's his baby. That's his, that's his territory. Um, and so he sends out, you know, his ballots and voters vote on that. And then we publish it in the alternative of the year issue every, for the past couple of years, I guess. I don't know how many issues we've done it in. I know in, in the last two that I've done for the last few years, we've published it, but, um, and we're going to continue to do that with Buzz, even though there's not going to be alternative of the year issue this year. So. That was going to be my next question. So you kind of skipped to it. But I guess what I was trying to get at is, is specific to the ultra runner of the year, part of the voting criteria is not, or an exclusionary part of the voting criteria is FKTs. So if somebody goes and sets a billion, gazillion, million FKTs by a thousand percent, there's no way that it doesn't have any other standardized performances. I guess is the way we could traditional race performances. They couldn't That's even right. be considered for ultra run right. of the year, because you guys kind of treat that as a separate category. But what I'm hearing from you is, is like, you're going to sep- you're going to keep that che- separation of church and state going. Yep. Yep. No, I, uh, I kind of let John manager, uh, he's, he's the one that kind of comes up with the ballot and does all of the, you know, numbers. He has a whole system of rankings and I, (laughs) I've seen it before. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen it before. I don't want to, I don't want to touch voting for you you and I've had this dialogue in a few different formats. I don't want to touch like being part of that voting panel with a nine foot pole, but I do still like talking and having some banter around it. I think it's fun. I think it's good for the sport, but what you're saying like right here, right now, and you might've made this statement publicly that I'm just not aware of is that there will be no ultra run of the year. There will be no performance of the year for 2020. First time I I confirmed it with John this week. So, um, yeah, we're doing something else in, in, uh, instead. And the crazy thing is, is this might be the same case next year. We don't know. I know. I know. I know. It's a sad, it's a sad thing because um, it's, you know, it's so hard to see these big races and then see these amazing performances just kind of die down for a couple of years. And so I don't want to see that. Um, my hope is that, you know, we'll return with a vengeance and in, in whatever form that is. Um, but for now, you know, we just don't know. And I, I can't, as we've known, I, you can't, nobody can predict it. So it's just a matter of, of time. What have you been particularly inspired by when you're scrolling through your Strava feed or you're like curating the content for Ultra Running Magazine over the last six months? You know, uh, a couple in particular, I can say there's a, there's a, there's a group here and I'm in Bend, um, Oregon, and there's a group here who went out and did well, it wasn't a group. It was a few guys who went out and did like 200 miles in local, um, on local trails here. And, you know, I, I just, I looked at that and I was, I was just blown away because they just did it, you know, no aid stations. <laughs> I don't even know if their wives went and supported them. It was, it was incredible. <laughs> and to see that kind of thing happen, just, you know, just as you're popping through your Strava feed, you just stop and you go, wow, people are actually out there running 200 miles. Um, that was incredible for me to see. Um, but we've also had a lot of, of like Max King went out and just did an FKT a week over here <laughs> in the local mountains. So, I mean, this stuff is happening 
every week. And that, that was what my summer felt like on Strava and I was doing nothing. So. <laughs> <laughs> I actually asked our coaches uh, a few weeks ago to send me some examples of their just everyday athletes that were doing this kind of stuff. It was either a personal challenge or they're trying to set some, they say this with all due respect, like obscure FKT in their area or only no time in their area that they could kind of like, you know, plant their flag in or whatever. Yeah. I was blown away at just our little coaching group's response to that, which I had no idea. I was like, well, I didn't have no idea. I had very little idea of what was actually going on. And I brought a few of them on to, to do a podcast with that I'm going to release kind of later in the year, but I'm of the same mind of you. It's cool. There's a whole heck of a lot of them and it's super inspiring. And we don't even have the entire context of what's going on because it's hard. It's not like anybody's aggregating all of them, you know, that, and I think that that's what kind of makes it neat all at the same time. Right. It's just these little accomplishments, not little, but massive in some other ways that they're just kind of out there and people are, are getting it done just for their own personal, you know, drive. It's, it's, it's awesome to see. I, uh, I, I went on a 5 a.m. run with a local, um, ultra runner here. He leads a group at 5 a.m. every morning from the running store. And he had just set an FKT around the three sisters, which is a local, um, mountain trifecta, I guess you would say they have a middle, south and north and sister and um you know he was up at 4 a.m the next day just kind of hanging out i'm like how you feeling he's like i'm a little sore today but you know (laughs) how how is that how is that normal that's that's just crazy to me so anyway he did great colton gale i have to give a shout out because he's he's a pretty impressive runner so well i think the creative because we're like a lot of athletes and a lot of runners have been forced into this, um, have been forced in the situation where they have to be creative to come up with something that's inspiring to them. I think that is, I think that's a, that's a, that's illuminating in the fact that they can do stuff that is above and beyond harder, gnarlier than they would normally do within the constraints of a race because of the race it's set for you, right? You know, the distance, the race director sets the course, you know, what time you have to start and all those other things. When you're coming up with it yourself and you're forced to be creative, you sometimes you think, you know what? I can do that. I can do 200 miles self-supported you know, and at the expense of my marriage, probably, which wouldn't be a good thing. <laughs> but, but the creativity, the, I've been particularly inter- impressed with the creativity that a lot of athletes have had in trying to find things that inspire them to do, you know, awesome results and have awesome events. Yeah. The creativity has been in, is so impressive. Um, you know, I've seen, uh, loops around neighborhoods which is which is always to me the most impressive just because the monotony of it all (laughs) but um you know it it is it's it's and i think that as a runner we all kind of as runners we all kind of know that um we have to be inspired or else it just doesn't work you know the the motivation isn't there so um whatever inspires you you know i i think just to get it done it's awesome. Well, and that's one of the cool things about ultra running is the playground is kind of infinite, right? You're not limited to the roads right. or this type of train or that type of train or even being in the same place at the same time, right? What we've seen with right. a lot of the virtual backyard ultras where, you know, they can get thousands, hundreds. I don't know how big their field. No, their field was in the thousands. Thousands of thousands. people. Yeah, yeah. Of people together at the same place at the same time doing the same thing in treadmill, road, block or whatever. But that, that sense of community, I thought was really cool with those, those events in particular. 
for sure. Yeah. No, it's amazing how technology can has changed enough to where we can do that. <laughs> did you did you follow that very closely, the virtual backyard ultras? Um, I was on, I think, a few for a few minutes, but I didn't, uh, we, I mean, we had an article in the magazine about it. So I got a good race report from Laz. So, yeah. Well, what were your takeaways from that format? Um, you know, I, uh, I was just, I think mostly inspired by, <laughs> by the number of people Yeah, that the 100%. participation was incredible. And I understood that. I mean, I get it. People want something. And so there was participation numbers there was a following online that was amazing. Yeah. But you know, we were in that mindset of we have to stay at home. So everybody was in front of their computer. So that was incredible. <laughs> but then when it comes down to like the last two runners who were in completely opposite sides of the world, right? that to me was just amazing. So um, I thought it was cool. I, I don't know if it'll, you know, happen again, but it was cool for the time. Who knows? Who, who knows? <laughs> so what? So speaking of, like I said, I'm, I'm trying not to get too much in the prediction business, but I do think that there are like lessons learned because we've been forced into this situation that has just, we've had to think about things differently and organize things differently. And as I mentioned earlier, be creative. What do you hope lasts? What do you hope continues that you've seen where you look at it and go, wow, this is awesome. I hope I can continue to see this year after year. Uh, I think we kind of touched on it before. I really want to see these FKTs continue. I really do. Um, it's inspiring for not just me, but I think I'm the average ultra runner. Um, I think it, you know, you look at these FKTs and you're like, I want to go try that trail. I want to, I want to get there. I want to go do that. I want to, you know, that's where I want to go. Um, I hope it continues. I hope that the elites and the the people that are out there doing these things continue to um, you know, set a precedence for uh, people like me and all the other mid back of the Packers, um, that want to go out there and do it because I think if they keep doing it, we're going to eventually follow. Right. Or we're already out there doing it and there's just more of us that are going to follow. Um, and you know, to be honest, I think that I want to see the community continue to rally around these these running events that have been so weird and wacka whack doodle oh, um because i enjoy seeing the virtual community because we can't get together as a community so i want to continue to see that um i think it's been the virtual events for that reason alone have been amazing and i love to see just how our community can come together and not you know and just be together but virtually and because we can't do it in person so well the support for each other i think is a value that that kind of permeates all of trail and ultra running and you see that at aid stations you see that with training groups you see that online you see that in people's like social media feeds where people will actually rally uh, to each other the, the listeners to this podcast will We'll, we'll kind of remember very early in the very early on in the pandemic, I got uh, Jamil Curry of Aravipa running uh, on the show to kind of discuss the, the the state of racing essentially and almost the state of his business, which he was very yeah. transparent about, and I, I was very appreciative of that. But what a lot of listeners probably won't realize, and I don't think you you realize either, is I actually reached out to a number of race directors to kind of have them like collectively come on uh, come on the show. 
and some of them not not jamil because jamil's a fighter you know <laughs> you know his personality he's a he's a doer but some of them were so overwhelmed with the process that or with the prospect that their business was going to evaporate like literally evaporate from one day to the next that they were just throwing in the towel they were like screw this I'm, you know, we're, I don't even have the will to continue. Right. I mean, it's like the proverbial, you know, DNF or refuse to continue at 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 one of uh, Laz's events. Um, but the fortunate thing with that is, is finally I could get some of those people offline and I said, listen, just try the community will support you. Just try. It's not going to be traditional. You're going to have to guess and you're going to have to, you know, throw out a little bit of a leap of faith that people are going to react to something. And very fortunately they did and kind of like turned around and it was a product of them fighting and putting their dukes up for it and being creative. But also to your point earlier is that the community came out and overtly supported them, even though they knew that it wasn't going to be the same type of experience and all these other things. Like, I think that's really meaningful. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, you know, in the beginning I saw a lot of people just at least you know, saying, Hey, I'm going to take part in this virtual event. And even if it's not something that I personally, you know, really am excited about or inspired by, I just want to help out the RDs. I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm signed up for all these races this year. Let's just contribute to to the cause and and keep them going. Cause I don't want to see it go away, you know, hundred percent. So I want to get your, your perspective on on another related topic. And this is really unfortunate. Part of the pandemic is races are going to go away. I I think that's inevitable. That's, that's, that's already happened in some cases where they just can't continue to, you know, have another year of losses or they just don't want to put up with what the future looks like trying to put on a virtual race or whatever combinations of events. The demand is still there. Ultra running still growing. We've seen that for the last th- few years. It's reasonable to expect that it's going to continue to grow. And part, so that void's going to going to be filled in some form or fashion. It's going to be filled by people starting up new races, but it's also going to be filled by larger non-endemic, at least non-endemic to trail running organizations coming in and starting up races. And we've seen that with Spartan here in the U.S. And we've seen it with Ironman uh, abroad in Oceania. And that with that, with the big, bad corporations like coming in and stomping on like smaller people's grounds comes with it. it it's a, it's a charged topic because of the culture that already exists in, 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 in trail and ultra running, but it is inevitable because we're already starting to see it. And I want to get like your perspective on it because of you have a perspective of the landscape of the small, the medium, the large companies. What do you think that that is going to ultimately mean for the average trail runner that's kind of like going out and trying to find a race to do? You know, I have been thinking about this and it's um, when you compare, say, marathons to because once, you know, people started marathoning, it was, you know, you had the you had the bigger ones like Boston and New York. And, um, and you know, these are funded by big corporations. Um, when you look at the ultra scene and this is what, you know, this is what I see now, even you've got these small races that can't get any bigger right. because they're only a couple hundred people. They can't get any bigger. Um, they're put on by people who are passionate about the sport and want to keep it going. I honestly feel like 
and this is just coming from a gut feeling that there's going to be enough smaller racers to smaller RDs and smaller races. Um, sorry, smaller, not smaller RDs. Smaller, smaller racers. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Smaller races that are put on by RDs. There we go. Smaller races put on by RDs who, um, that, you know, are just going to continue to flourish because their expenses aren't that high. Um, and they're going to just continue to help ultra runners feel that sense of community. And I, so, so it's hard for me to say that these big corporations are going to come in and sweep sweep all the big races under their wings and you know right. create this big corporate corporate you know ultra scene i just don't see that happening um you know i could be wrong but i i feel like from what i've seen in the past 10 years um it's just there's going to be some growth because yes there are more people participating and this whole thing has made everybody really appreciate, you know, being together at an ultra. Um, so it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a process, I think. And um, while we do see some of these races go away, I think we're going to see just as many pop up again. Yeah, so. I, I agree with you. And at the end of the day, the consumer wins, right? If the consumer yeah. wants that stuff, they'll it'll survive if they don't right. want it they won't i mean that's what right. i've kind of viewed and i get a lot of feedback on this because i've written about it in a few different formats i just come back to the the consumer is going to be able to tell the tale and the consumer being the trail running community as it exists right now and as it continues to exist in future years if they like a product a service a coach a race that thing will survive if they don't right. it won't it's pretty 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 simple economics in my now people yeah, will make we, mistakes along the way certainly and we've seen that right. with lifetime fitness at leadville and other and other and other examples but at the end of the day the consumer is going to have the ultimate choice right and i honestly i feel like we put ourselves out there on that trail or the road for hours and we you know we train for it it's not something we take lightly we're not going to risk you know uh a, huge blow up or you know we're not going to risk not finishing just to run a race it's it's more than that right 100 percent. so so i asked you earlier what you were inspired by that you hope continues you know for forever these fkts and these inspirational types of things that athletes are doing what do you hope goes away right here right now (laughs) like if you could have amy's way and wave a magic wand and just put an end to something that is going on right now what would it be well, honestly, so I, like I said, the virtual races, I, I, I don't want them to go away because I think that they are very important right now. Um, but I think that they will go away once races start popping back up because mm-hmm. there's not going to be a need for them anymore. Um, I do want them to stick around until that does happen. But <laughs> I think that honestly, I'm tired of, of the, well, I can't make it go away. Social media has been, it's been a great thing. Some forms of it, some platforms of it have been great. Um, I'm just tired of the politics and the shaming and the negativity. I just want it to all go away right now. <laughs> so if you had your world, you would wave the magic wand and just put away all of the like bipartisan politics, polarized way of thinking on social. And it's the negativity that bothers me the most because I'm so used to the to the ultra community being positive and supportive and, you know, encouraging and and to have this whole side of things creep and really kind of hurt. Like it kind of took me, uh, it kind of shocked me for 
a few weeks. It was really hard to deal with. And um, I'm not used to that. So I want it to just go away. <laughs> well, so here's here's where I bought. So I, I agree with the increase in negativity part of it. Here's what I've actually struggled with within the ultra running community. I, I firmly believe that adversity does not test your character. It reveals it as the cliche goes. And if that is true, and we're, we see people's character being revealed during this pandemic, and that character is attacking other people and all of this negativity and the shaming and things like that, that's actually kind of scary because I like the I like the ultra running community, right? I don't want the curtain to get peeled back in that type of way. Right. And I, and I can't say that I'm seeing it from the ultra running community in particular. It's just that I think people in general, um, whether it's people seeing us the alternating community do crazy things um, and, you know, giving us a little bit of backlash for it. Um, it it's, it's definitely, uh, I, I'm not, you know, pointing any fingers at anybody in the alternating community. It's just in general, I think that the negativity on social media has been hard to handle and it creeps into the alternating community, but um, I can't say that it's, you know, anybody in particular, it's, it's just a, a vibe that I don't, I'm not used to dealing with. And it's hard, <laughs> I, I especially hope... being on social media to try and keep track of what's going right. on in the alternating world. Right. So. Cause you can't just shut it off, right? You're no. not in a position where you can just say, ah, delete Twitter, delete Facebook, delete Instagram. Like you, like it's part of your, it's part of the fabric of your job. Right. I had a columnist actually um, email me this week and say, you know, we're going to go off social media. It's, it's um, a couple and they write for us. And they said, we're going off social media. So, you know, our column might change a little bit um, because they do try and find people over social media to interview. And, and it's, unfortunately, I was like, you know, I said, I totally and completely support you. I understand the decision, but it's something that, I, you know, not all of us can do. Wow. That's, that's incredible. I think that's an incredible story there. I, yeah. I take it you haven't ever thought about that though. No, I, I mean, I've gone off social media for a breather for a couple of weeks, but yeah, that's yeah. all I can do. So. So related to this, Amy, I mean, one of the things that Ultra Running Magazine, I think, has always done a very good job of is representing the community. You, you guys look at kind of all walks of the community, the elite athletes, the not so elite athletes, front of the pack, back of the pack, people that are new to the sport, people that are experienced within the sport. And that's not, that's kind of not an easy task. And I, I've always viewed the magazine itself, as I mentioned, as kind of a representative of the community. Whenever there's been something that's been like a charge topic that has come up in the recent one with the Black Lives Matter movement, and we've had it kind of earlier with uh, gender representation in sport, how, do, how does Ultra Running Magazine kind of like walk through strategically how to present those issues within, within their magazine context for the good of the community? Right. Um, so with the, you know, we've had our share of backlash with starting with the gender representation. Um, and to be honest with you, it's one of those things where, you know, I've been in the editor position for two years now. And um, it's it's been interesting for me because I'm not the type to have a knee-jerk reaction when someone says, hey, why didn't you put this person in your issue? And why didn't you have why do you have five men and three women? Um, it's, it's not, it's for me, I've always tried to maintain a, um, 
not only a positive representation of the sport, but also um, continue to evolve with the sport. So as we grow, I like to see our magazine grow as well. So I take all of that feedback and then I plan for the future. And um, as you will see, we are going to continue to, you know, move with the time, but it, it takes a lot of work. And when we're, you know, a small team, we always have to put our heads together and say, okay, what's going to be our next step? Was there, what's next year going to look like? Was there a little bit of like looking in the mirror when mm -hmm. particularly some of the Black Lives Matter stuff came down? Because I know a lot of publications were like, oh, wow, like we really need to do a better job at that. Is that, is, am I, I'm kind of getting that sense from, from you just from oh, hearing for sure. that. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, we all, we, we all have to have a conversation about that. It's it, the conversations were happening all over the place. And that's, that was part of, uh, you know, what was happening in the world. It was just, we have to have that conversation because look at the sport, you know, I know that Western States is doing the same thing. Their, their board, um, Carl, our publisher is on the board. And I know that they're talking about the same thing. It's like, we, we need to uh, keep our minds open as to what this sport looks like and what it's going to evolve into. And so to do that, we have to, you know, represent everybody. So, well, and not only what it, what it currently looks like, but also what you want to look like. Right. That's right. what I've always, and I've been on record many times with a lot of the high profile race directors. I've had, you know, Craig and Tim on, on, on my podcast from the Western States board to talk about this type of thing. And, that's one of the points of emphasis that I've always given to race directors or I've always been public about is that you not only have to represent the values and the demographics and the culture of what currently exists, but what you want to exist, however right. far in the future, especially when you're a leader. That's what being a leader means, right? You're out right. in front. Right, exactly. And that's certainly we are, and we've always, that's kind of our tagline is, is the voice of the sport. And we want to maintain the intimate culture that we have in the sport and represent that in the magazine, but also be, you know, looking ahead into what the future of the sport looks like. You know, we can't just sit back and, you know, do the same thing every issue. We've got to look at who's running and, and, you know, where they're running and um, who wants to run. Like I, <laughs> I, the, the last issue we had Corey Waltering on um, who was just on your podcast and, you know, Corey, I think is a great uh, example of somebody who wants to encourage not only, you know, people like him to run on trails, but also kids. And we've got to look at that. Right. And it's good for everybody. I mean, we, right. I, we I always feel a little bit self-serving when I say things like that, because yeah, when the sport grows, I make a living in the sports. Of course, it's like good for me, but I, I keep coming back to it's good as a human to do like if you're it, 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 trail and ultra running yes it's good for me personally 100 percent. when the sport grows I, I will raise my hand and say yeah that that helps me out personally but i do think that it's a good sport for humanity for people to get involved with because you see all these people's lives that can be affected in a positive way from having that type of experience that we can create in ultra running right right i um i'll give an example it's 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 always been, it's always been a passion of mine, but to see the, the kids that I, so I'm a volunteer, I run the running club 
I did run the running club at my kid's school. It's no longer, you know, this year. Um, and we lost most of it last, we lost most of the season last year, but, um, just to see kids running and it doesn't matter, you know, who it is, young, old, short, tall, you know, I mean, it's just to see that energy. It's, um, it just feels good as a human to get them out there and to see that happiness that it creates. Um, you don't want that for everybody, you know, hundred <laughs> percent. So what, so give us a preview of what from now this podcast is going to come out like the early part, part of October from now until the end of 2020, I keep, I keep acting like there's going to be some like line of demarcation at the end of 2020. There's not, let's like, let's dismiss that notion right now. Um, but what is, let's just extend it to January just to make it more arbitrary for ultra running magazine, peel the curtain back a little bit. Like what can the readers expect from ultra running magazine to come out in the next few months? Okay. So the next few months, um, we are continuing to cover races. So, um, there's a number of races going on right, even right now. Um, so we'll continue to do, um, a number of, of race reports as, as well as the regular content. Um, and you know, and then winter comes. And so we're all kind of in hibernation mode, looking ahead to lotteries, which, you know, Western States lottery won't happen this year. It's weird. It's um, weird. <laughs> I know it is. It's weird. Um, and so that'll be a little odd, but I have a feeling that um, as the months continue and, you know, we go into, it'll be our 40th anniversary this coming year, wow. 2021. So we'll be, we'll be celebrating that in a special way. Um, and then you'll see new columnists. Um, we're going to bring on some new people. Um, and then we'll just kind of roll with what's going on in the sport. I really do feel like this, this is going to, this is the start of what we're going to see for at least half of 2021, which is, yeah. you know, people are masking up at the start. You're going to see lots of pictures of that. You're going to see lots of aid stations that have volunteers that are, you know, socially distant, have hand sanitizer everywhere. Um, and you're going to see smaller races. So it's um, the magazine itself is going to cover that. And we're going to continue like things are normal. I think. What? Okay. So two questions kind of related to that. You already, sure. you already mentioned that you're not going to do an ultra run of the year and you're not going to do performance of the year. That stereotypical episode, right. episode, that stereotypical, <laughs> that stereotypical publication release that, uh, everybody looks forward to. It's the highlight of my year just because it's entertaining. I'm sure it's the highlight right. of a lot of listeners year. Are you, are, are you going to try to like replace or augment that with something similarly inspirational? Well, I'm <laughs> just going to have to wait on pins and needles. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be, it's not, it's not a secret really, but we have been in the works with a anniversary issue. So, um, we have our <laughs> set plan editorial wise to create an issue that looks back at the, at the history of the sport, uh, all the way back to when we started in 1981. Um, and so that'll be a big, um, kind of our supplement for, uh, ultra end of the year issue. Please so. tell me that there's lots of pictures of Gordy and Ken Clover. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> More pictures of 1980s Gordy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know if we can pull those out and we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the photos are probably going to be the hardest because we're going to have to go back into the old issues and 
uh, really trying to capture what 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 was in those. So uh, it'll be exciting, though, guaranteed. Okay, so related question, and you've been at this for a couple years, but you've also been involved for more years than that. Like looking forward, can you give the listeners some general themes in terms of like what changes content wise Ultra Running Magazine is going to make in the years coming up? Like what things have you found like really resonate with people and what things might get left on the cutting room floor? Um, I think to answer your question, the magazine is going is, is to continue to um, highlight what these amazing athletes are doing. And so, you know, what we try to do is span the, the, the oldest to the youngest to the most elite to the back of the Packers. And so you're going to continue to see a variety of that coverage, but also a more kind of, you know, honed, honed down, you know, into really amazing stories because I can't tell you how many amazing stories are out there. And I continue to try and get those stories right. in the magazine as much as possible, but it's almost impossible to, um, to cover everything. There's and so many so of them. That's the thing. There's so many of them, right? There's you, so many they're of them. Innumerable. And, you know, we have some really amazing writers that can find these stories. Um, but again, we, you know, I don't know if you know that our average reader is, you know, 40 plus. So we've got veterans in the sport who are reading the magazine, but we also want to appeal to the younger crowd as well. Um, so that, you know, the, the new younger ultra runners have inspiration from people like Courtney and Maggie and Casey and yeah, I'm listing all these women off. Sorry. No, that's um, cool. It is. More, it's, more of it. It's, yeah. it's, you know, I want to see more of these women um, in the sport. So. Yeah. Uh, well, that's like, another, that's another podcast topic that we could take another two hours with, which, you know, I've supported, I've supported for years and you know that, yeah. but I mean, it's, it I mean, I think the general theme is, is, is you're trying to keep up with times is yeah. kind of what I'm coming up with, right? You're trying to keep up with the demographic times, the spread of athletes, the performances, the inspiration. It's a constant game of having, of having to up your game to meet the needs of the reader. True. And, you know, while maintaining that inclusivity and the, you know, community feel, because that's how I feel our magazine continues to thrive. It's, it's just that we take the sport and put it into print version. That's, that's our goal. And that is not an easy task, Amy. Um, well, I, I'm, I'm going to let you go right now. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast today, right before your kids go to school. <laughs> They're probably Thanks, right too. behind that door that I'm looking at the, in the background, like chopping at the bit. <laughs> um, but from the bottom of my heart, and I think I speak for a lot of trail and ultra runners out there, we're just incredibly appreciative of what Ultra Running Magazine puts out. I, would, I was about to say every month, but it has been every month due to the pandemic on, re, on a regular basis. Let's just put that, yeah. let's just put that out there. We're incredibly awesome. appreciative of that content because you do do a good job cultivating the fabric of the community and being a representative and an advocate for not just, not just the elites, not just the average, not just the beginner trail runners, but all trail runners out there. And that's no easy task and it doesn't go unnoticed. Awesome. Well, thanks, Coop, for having me on. And uh, I appreciate the accolades, but honestly, it's I've got a great team and I've got amazing people working for me. And we're just going to continue to try to keep that going as much as possible. So thank you. Well, thank you to the team as well. Mm -hmm. Awesome. 
And there you have it. Much thanks to Amy for doing a little bit of prognostication on the future. I know those are always tough things to pin down, but I appreciate her candor and the thought that she's put into all of those comments and also the works that she does with her staff there at Ultra Running Magazine. You guys are a real treasure. And I think that we should thank you each and every time we run into you on the trails. Thanks to all the listeners. Appreciate the heck out of each and every one of you. If you have any feedback, go ahead and give this podcast a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can just hit me up on social media. As always, we will see you out on the trails. 